podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Around the Kingdom. I'm Eric Lopez. No trace this week. He is still licking his wounds from his Texas Tech Red Raiders home loss to Oregon. But have no fear. Fill it in. Noble UCF Mike. Mike, great to have you on the show. Hey, it's an honor to be here with you. I don't get to work with you very much. This is the first time me and you, mano a mano, topic for topic here on UCF. I'm excited for this. And no word on how many jello shots Trace had over the weekend. Maybe that's part of the reason why he's not here. Follow you a lot with the Red Raiders, the way they perform. This is, of course, the fastest UCF show. We'll talk many UCF foot topics in 30 minutes or less. And, of course, we can't do this show without a guy we know very well. This is like a Sons of UCF takeover around the kingdom here. Mr. Adam Eaton. Adam, well, you and I are used to now working each other. Yeah, I see Elo three nights a week now. Um, I actually think he's one of my children. The other day, I went to went to uh, went to say goodnight to Eric. Uh, Mike, welcome into the show. I can't wait to see how this works out for you, buddy. I appreciate you getting all decked out in Suns gear tonight, too. It's a nice little audition for me. It's, I'm happy to be here, man. You guys asked me to step in. Uh, not so many people can fill the role of Trey Strunkle, but I will try my best here and see what I can do. All right, well, let's have a great it. show, Elo. Let's yeah. get it, let's get it cracking. Let's get it going, Mike. Obviously, the big story at UCF on Monday. Gus Malzahn confirmed that uh, John Rice Plumley will be out a few weeks with what he described as a leg injury. No word to exactly what the injury was. Some of the uh, uh, social media me- uh, doctors were a little off on that. Nonetheless, he is going to be out a few weeks. Timmy McLean will get the start against Villanova this Saturday. Mike, your thoughts? Are you optimistic about Timmy McLean? Concern your reaction? Oh, well... We got what do we really know about Timmy so far? I think that's the big question. We know the guy is a winner coming out of high school. He's a state champion. Uh, we we know he's got some experience at the college level. We saw him play a little bit at USF. Basically played a whole season there, eleven games. Uh, he's got a strong arm. He can run a little bit. I think all we really need him to do in this fill-in role is kind of just be that game manager, take care of the football, move the sticks, don't put us in any bad positions. A lot of people were asking, were hoping for this day. A lot of people around UCF for for the whole offseason were wondering if JRP was the right guy for the job. Now we're going to find out if Timmy is the guy to, to step in and take care of things. The irony is, do you remember Timmy McLean's last start in college football? He's had plenty of starts in his college football career. Remember his last start? That's right. He had, took us right down to the wire in the bounce house. In a game right. where they maybe should have pulled it off there at the end if we didn't get a little break, I think. <laughs> that was a good, yeah, Ward I4 game. Uh, the thing I like about this, I don't think the offense will drastically change that much. I think Timmy McClain does some of the similar things that John Rice Plumley does. Probably not as good. He's probably not as, as physically as a good runner as JRP. But it's not a situation where you're going from one style of quarterback to a completely different style. And I spoke to Darren Hinshaw, Mike, in the, in the media day. And he said, hey, let's have all these quarterbacks have their strengths and we're preparing them to if they need to, if they were going to start, because you never know what an injury could happen. And that's something, Mike, that I was critical of last year in the quarterback room. I don't think the guys last year were prepared. I don't think Thomas Castellanos was prepared at all or ready for the bright lights. He may never be. I think Timmy McClain will be ready, and I think we have enough talent around him to get by, certainly against Villanova. And depending on how long John Rice Plum leads out, I still think you can win some games with Timmy McClain, 
And I like the fact he has experience starting and playing in Division One football versus a guy that hasn't played a snap in a meaningful game. Yeah, and the question really is, how long will it be? Is it originally thought maybe the whole season? Now we're thinking, Gus says only a few weeks. Does that mean the next four games to take us in? Does he get us to the bye week? So you got four games coming up with Villanova, Kansas State, um, Baylor, and Kansas. What is it expected to out of, coming out of that? Two and two, three and one. I think even with Plumley, a lot of people would have been happy with three and one coming out of that four game stretch. I think um, McLean has to go at least two and two. I think you got to win the Villanova game and you got to take care of business against Baylor at home. The other two are going to be tough. If you can pull out one of them, I think we're in good shape. Well, and Baylor has their own situation with the quarterback. They've had their quarterbacks injured as well. So who knows? It could be a battle of backup quarterbacks by the time we get there. Uh, I agree with you. I think you could still split the Kansas games with regards to who the quarterback, but you're going to need other guys to around him to step up. And again, this team is going to have to build on the running game and, and around him. But I, I, I think under the circumstances, I feel pretty good, uh, all things considered. Unfortunately for John Rice Plumney, who I thought played well against Boise State, you just hate the way the injury happened. I thought that was a targeting call. It should have been targeting. wasn't called. Did you think it was targeting? Uh, yeah. When he got hit there? Of course, with black and gold glasses, for sure, it looked like targeting. I can see where they kind of, the way they ruled it, the way he did, he wasn't exactly in a slide, so I kind of understood that part of it, too. Uh, right. We wish John Rice the best, uh, hopefully. Speaking of this past week's game against <sighs> Boise, UCF escapes with an 18-16 win. Tell us the things you liked most about this game. Well, let's start with the kicking game. How can we not? Colton Boomer, uh, one of the best kicking performances by any UCF kicker in history. Mike, you and I are historians. We like to kind of put in perspective. I was trying to remember the last time we won on a walk-off field goal. I think it was Torres against Marshall in 06. I'm like, I mean, am I, I, I right on that? I thought that was the case, too. I went back and watched the video. It was not a walk-off. So there were a couple seconds after that kick. And if you watch it again, Torres actually takes his helmet off, runs the, running down the field, 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct. <laughs> They had to kick the ball from the 20-yard line. Marshall had a chance to return, but there were about six seconds left after he kicked it. I think I may know the answer. I don't know if the answer – it's got to be like an overtime game. Is it the Franco Grilla? The Youngstown State? Is that the last Wow, we got to go back game? to the, the – wow, FCS days maybe. I mean, that's a great question there. Uh, we'll have time to look that up between now and then. But that – he was fantastic in the game. Uh, I thought UCF actually moved the ball really well. Uh, if you and this sounds weird, strange, Mike. If we didn't kept track of the score, if there was no bug bug line with the score, and you're just watching the game, you could have sworn I could have sworn UCF was dominating the game. Uh, we'll get to what we didn't like, but I liked some of the movement uh, from the offense. A defensive line I thought played very well in putting and shutting down Boise a little bit. Those are some of the things I like. What did you like? You know, it's it kind of hard to say today after the news, but. Plumley played probably his best game. We've seen him in a night uniform. 272 yards in the air, another 73 on the ground. Should have had a couple touchdowns. And the, the a thing I really liked that Gus mentioned too, the team for the first time this year faced some adversity, had their backs against the wall on the road, down, and came through, pulled together. I love the way you saw the team come together at the end. Everybody had Boomer's back. Everybody was confident that he was going to make that kick. Where a couple years ago, I don't know if, with some other kickers we had, we didn't have that feeling around this. So that's a great feeling to have that you, your guy can go out there and win a game for you. Um, and still, 
coming out of this game, now off two games in, the number one offense in the country, 530 yards of offense this game. Like you said, we moved the ball well all day. Really did. I, I think that the offense works at, and you know, we mentioned Plumley had a 91 according to Pro Football Focus. I know that's a polarizing site. People, some like it, some don't, but he had an incredible grade on that. I thought his mechanics, Mike, had looked great this year. I think he's much improved from last year. His, you know, reading the defense was good. You know, the sliding thing obviously kind of reared its ugly head there, uh, how he got hurt, but. I, I thought he handled that offense pretty well the way he threw the ball. I liked a lot of things I saw there from the team. Again, I wish that game should have been more one-sided. We'll get to the reasons why it wasn't. But I thought the offensive line, what did you think of the offensive line? Because that was a big question I had going in with all the changes and the movement there. How did you feel about the O-line? Did you like what you saw from the O-line? Yeah, they played well enough. I think they played very well this game. Gave Plumlee time, opened up some holes in the running game. Uh no complaints there. Well, I'm going to get to the complaints. We all know what the complaints are going to be. We've got yeah. another 40 seconds till we get to them. But, yeah, the offensive line did fine. Plumlee did very well. It's the thing that we talked about coming into the season. He's got to take care of himself. The guy didn't slide when he was when he was supposed to. And that's basically what it came down to. Took the hit, and now we're paying the price for it. But it's a good win. Uh, Boise State had yeah. won 21 straight home openers there. Not the easiest of place to play. And I think what I like, too, is having gone through this trip, that should prepare them for some of the future Big 12 trips like uh, Lawrence, Kansas, or Manhattan, or Lubbock, Texas, which Trace has somehow deemed impossible to win there. I, I actually think that will help this team moving forward play on the road, getting a road win like that. So uh, I, that's what I like. What we don't like, of course, Mike, it was a tight game. What are some of the things, Mike, we did you did not like watching this game? The very obvious. The drop passes from the receivers, and not just drops, but handing the ball to the other team for interceptions. And at the goal line, those are 14 points right off the board where we could have won this game going away a lot more comfortably than we did. And these were not high passes. These were not thrown behind the receivers where they had to make adjustments for it. I'm talking about balls directly in their hands where it's just watch the ball go in and you're in for six. You can't have that. If we do that against a better team, there's no way we're winning games. And we got lucky. We got lucky to pull out this one despite those two turnovers. 100% agree. That game would have been a blowout if you held on to the ball there. I thought some of the play calling, the, for example, the fourth and one, I didn't have a problem with them going forward on fourth and one. They ran McDonald. McDonald ran the wrong side. He should have gone right. He went left. My only question there, Mike, why not? Maybe a more veteran running back reads that correctly, goes the right way, and then, that trick play going on the two-point play, that – I don't know what was the point. I, that I, 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 are, are we getting too cute there on the two-point play? Or, or did you like that? I, I didn't like that. I, I'm not one that's like, hey, let's let's go to the track, a bag of tricks on a two-point play because that could have cost him. Yeah, I don't love it in that situation for sure. He – I don't know if it's Gus or Hinshaw is really eager to see R.J. Harvey throw the football. We've seen yes. it, we see it a lot now. and. I know he's a quarterback. I know he has the ability to do it, but that's a, maybe something you break out once every six games. We've seen it already how many times in two weeks. Don't love it there. I I, I didn't mind the wild night with McDonald. I knew, We know it was coming. Everybody knew it was coming. I saw him coming off the sideline. and said, you know what exactly the play call is going to be. So you know Boise State, State knew it was coming. Um, maybe try something a little different off that same package, kind of open things up. Is he able to throw the ball? A little jump pass or something. 
we haven't seen yet, but I'm sure that's in the mix at some point this year. I'm still concerned about the linebacking core, Mike. I didn't like some of their linebacking play. I think, in fact, when I think there were some missed coverages there. I think teams, I'm worried, will expose the linebackers, whether put them in coverage, put guys in the middle of the field. That's a part that I still have concerns. I didn't like some of that, what I saw there. And I still see some blown coverages deep on the secondary. We saw that against Kent State, not as much here, but even in that last drive. That I, still has me a little concerned. I know I'm nitpicking a little bit, but that has me – I didn't like seeing that. Right. I mean, we held them to 16 points. Overall, they played well. They g- did give up a drive down to crunch time. Under two minutes, you give up a, a go-ahead score. You don't like to see that. But overall, I, on the road, all things considered, I think they did pretty well. That kid, Genty, I knew was going to be a problem. Yeah. He's a great athlete. I saw him the week before, even in the loss to Washington, that he was going to be issues for us, and he made some good plays. That, that's going to happen from time to time. We're going to run into plenty of other good athletes in this conference. So that's a little taste of what's to come. But to limit them to under 20 points on the road, I think that it's a good enough job. You're going to win a lot of ball games if you do that. Didn't like the broadcast. I, I'm not a big on, their, on the graphics per se. And then the second week in a row, same broadcast crew, not there. They're doing it in remote. That I'm not a fan of. Uh, we're going to get uh, FS1 again now for the Kansas State game in a couple of weeks. Did that bother you at all as somebody watching the game? or no? It did, it, it, there, that was one of the other things I didn't like. Uh, I, see, I watched the game at the bar. They did have the sound on, but it's a different atmosphere. If I was home and I was more focused on what the announcers were actually saying, maybe I'd have more beef. When I went back and watched some of the replay, I did hear some things that were a little off, but it didn't bother me during the game just because of the atmosphere I was in. Well, you probably had a better night than, than most of watching the game did uh, as the Knights did hold on to win, 18-16. But certainly some things uh, to work on uh, there, Mike. So we'll see how that goes on that. All right. Let's now toss it over to you, a guy you know very well, Mike, your good friend Adam, who's got more for us here. Adam? Greetings, gentlemen. I apologize. I was uh, looking up that stat, you guys. You usually don't throw me tough stats during that broadcast, so I'll have more on that later on. But before I get to anything, guys, I do want to talk more about the Sultry Spirit, who is a proud sponsor of Around the Kingdom. If you're not familiar with Sultry Spirit, they are a mobile bartending service for all of your needs, whether it's a wedding, a corporate event, a party tailgate. Their talented bartenders will show up. They'll shake up their perfect drinks and make sure the good times are flowing. They specialize in creative twists on classic cocktails, making every sip an unforgettable experience. Here's what you want to do. You want to follow the Sultry Spirit. You can do that on Instagram, at the Sultry Spirit. Uh, or you can reach out to Miles. Miles is the uh, the, the head of the Sultry Spirit. He's a, uh, a fellow knight. He uh, supports the SonsUCF.com as well. You can find uh, him at 941-567-7062. Again, give Miles a call. And they're such nice people. Here's what they're going to do for you. You tell them that you heard about them from the Sons of UCF. They're going to give you 10% off your uh, your event and a special gift. I don't know what the special gift is, but I want one of you to figure it out and let me know because that sounds like a pretty uh, a big big deal, uh, a, a potential really good thing for you out there. So again, at the Sultry Spirit, 941-567-7062. Big thanks to Miles and the crew for supporting Around the Kingdom. All right, gentlemen, here we go. Silly game time. This one's going to be easy. I'm going to give you options. You just make your choice. It's not that hard. Eric, you said this earlier. You two are probably two of the, the biggest historians I know of UCF football, UCF sports in general. So here's your question. And, Mike, this is inspired by you. Mike actually gave me this question earlier, so I'm actually stealing Mike's question. Which of these three kicks is a bigger kick in UCF history? The aforementioned 1990 Franco Grilla kick to beat Youngstown State? 
the 2000 Javier Borleggi kick to beat Alabama or this past weekend's kick from Colton Boomer to beat Boise State? Eric, I'll start with you. Which one is the bigger kick? That's a fun question. See, that's just why I like what Mike brings to the table here, folks. Sorry, I'm going for <laughs> going for leggy with the kick, and here's why. I remember listening to that game on the radio. That was a big deal, Mike. UCF hadn't been a marquee program up until that point. It was homecoming. I know Alabama was not having a good year there with Mike DeBose. They were a big disappointment. But when that kick went through, the emotions on the broadcast, the emotions from Mike Kruzek, I know you got, you've talked to him about it. To me, that's still the biggest kick in program history just because that was that first time we're like, man, we beat a brand, a big-time brand. So that's my choice. All right. You know that play means a lot to me that I was in school during that time. But I know around the kingdom the one critique you guys have is you guys agree on everything. I am not agreeing with you on this one. I'm going to say Franco Grilla, 1990. That's the playoffs, baby. Playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> that was the playoffs against the number one team in the country. Jim Tressel's Youngtown State team, that, if we don't win that game, we don't win a playoff game, who knows? Maybe we're still stuck in Division Two, Division Three. Maybe we haven't made that leap all the way to here where we are today. But this kick on uh, Saturday night, it's the most recent. It's the one that everybody's going to talk about all season. If this team goes on to do something special, so it has a chance to still pass maybe those two, depending on how the rest of the season goes. If we're talking about a special season here, we're talking about a BCS game, heaven forbid, a playoff appearance again, then maybe this kick elevates past those two. I, okay. I don't know how to follow that one up there, Atkinson. <laughs> you don't have to, Eric. I got you covered. I've got one more question for you guys. Again, easy game. You just I'll give you some options. You pick uh, your, your winner here. What player, which player so far this season are you surprised you have not seen get more playing time? Your options are Corey Gamage, DeCorian Patterson, or Demarcus Bowman, Mike. Which player are you surprised we have not seen more of, Gamage, Patterson, or Bowman? Before the season, I would have said Gamage because that was the guy I expected to come in and make a, a big impact. And even now, after this last game with these drops that we've seen on the receivers, maybe we should be seeing a little bit more of Gamage. But I think more surprising to me is Patterson because he was a guy that was talked about being a first-round draft pick by some people before the season, and we haven't really seen much of him at all. And we did have a couple guys go down in the secondary. Uh, the Jordan Mask went down the other night. How many plays has Patterson been in in the first two games? I'd like to see what he's got a little bit more. Yeah, I'm going with Gamage for the reasons you mentioned. This guy came highly touted, was on the, all these watch lists for wide receivers, has accomplished things, and nothing, nothing at all. Um, and, you know, you would think with the depth, you have some different options offensively. I've been surprised that we haven't seen Gamage. I mean, your answer is actually very – I mean, both answers are correct, honestly, right, in that one. But I'm going to go with Gamage. I really thought he would be a bit a factor in this offense, and he has not been. And he's provides something that the other guys don't. Is he? And he's got the size. And yes. you think he'd be a nice compliment to the other receiver. Oh, well, he'd be a great red zone target, if nothing else, right? Like, I, I just, yeah, that one surprised, surprised me so far. All right. I like the disagreement, Mike. You're halfway home, buddy. Keep it going. <laughs> Very good. All right. That's pretty good. All right. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> All right. So now we're through two games so far in the season. What has you more concerned, the offense or the defense? I, well, now, I mean, this obviously with the Plumley injury, you are concerned with the offense. That's the obvious answer with the Plumley situation. 
But I'm going to go with the defense, Mike. I still have questions about the secondary. I still have questions about the linebacker. I know they played well against Boise State, but we're going to see way better offenses in the Big 12 than Boise State. Teams that, And that concerns me because especially with Jimmy McLean, however long he's going to be the starter, I don't know if UCF can win shootouts in the Big 12 with Timmy McLean. I mean, that was a question with JRP. Now you got Timmy McLean. So can this defense carry them? I still have questions about the linebacker in the secondary. Right. And you mentioned the competition stepping up. Even this week, Villanova has averaged over 40 points a game. I know not playing against the best teams, but there are no slouch coming in. The defense has to be on their game this week, too. I'd love to see more pressure on the quarterback. We did get two sacks this week and timely sacks, Malachi Hamilton. Good, good time to, to come up with sacks, but I, I, I still have to go back to the offense now without a quarterback. You don't have a starting quarterback, the guy that was going to be your guy. I have to be a little concerned. Now, I've seen my teams do this before. I've seen backups come in and right the ship and keep things steady enough and do it. Jeff Hostetler, 1990 New York football giants. You go on, you win the Super Bowl. Can Timmy McClain be that guy? He doesn't have to be the guy maybe for the whole season. But four weeks, five weeks, if we see Timmy McLean still playing when we're in Norman, Oklahoma, are we going to be okay? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, it's a valid point. Can't argue with that uh, with the offense. But, again, the defense, I'm, you know, doesn't matter who the quarterback is. If they struggle with the, in the back line with the linebacker in the secondary, that's going to be a big question mark moving forward. I still think they're going to get challenged offensively. But your point with McLean is valid, although, again, Maybe I'll be proven wrong after the Villanova game. That's why I'm kind of intrigued by this Villanova game here, Mike. I don't think we're going to see a drastic difference between Plumlee and Timmy McClain. Maybe I'm just too optimistic. Maybe I have too much faith in Darren Hinshaw, who I like a lot as the quarterback coach. I could be proven wrong on that, but we'll see. That's going to be the ultimate question. What we see from Timmy McClain starting against Villanova will tell the story, I think, for the rest of the season here, at least for the next few weeks. We may even see more deep shots down the field. Hinshaw mentioned how he loves McLean's accuracy on the deep ball, which I know Plumlee started the game off on the very first play with the deep ball this past week, but how many times has he really let one loose down the field? Maybe we see a little bit more of that this week. Um, I'd like to see what Timmy can do too with his legs, but please, Timmy, slide, get out of bounds, be careful, because if he gets something happens to him, we're talking about a true freshman coming in behind him, and then what behind that? We have nothing. So. Timmy's got to stay healthy for the next month, at least. Are we cursed at the quarterback position here ever since McKenzie went down with the injury? Dylan Gabriel went down in Louisville. Like, I feel like we have quarterback injuries every year now, Mike. It seems that way. And I've talked about it on the show before. I have that cursed McKenzie Milton jersey. I'm telling you, I was two minutes away from actually wearing it this week. I was thinking about it. I was like, the curse does, it does not exist. McKenzie told me to wear it. But I was like, ah, even if we win, what if somebody gets hurt? That thought entered my mind. And Ooh, I, I didn't wear it. I didn't wear it. But look what happened anyway. So maybe even thinking about that jersey is, is bad luck. I mean, I have to get rid of it. I think I have to do a seance or something, burn it, throw it away. What, what do I do? Maybe give it away on Sons of UCF <laughs> Live or something. I mean, that's that's big development here. Breaking news here on Around the Kingdom you're providing here, Mike. And someone else will be cursed. It'll be like that Brady Bunch episode where they, they go to Hawaii <laughs> and that thing curses everybody it touches. Well, let's hope not. Let's hope Timmy McClain. I do agree. He's got to stay healthy. Otherwise, we're going down to Dylan Risk. It'd be the third year in a row we would have played three quarterbacks. I wonder, too, what is Thomas Castellanos thinking there, kind of struggling in Boston College? He could have been a starter right now. Who would have stayed? Patience, people. Patience! Anyway, speaking of patience, 
the Big 12 this weekend. Some of the highlights, Mike. Texas goes into Tuscaloosa and beats Alabama. Oh, poor Trace. His beloved Red Raiders losing at home to Oregon. Baylor's 0-2. Mike, what caught your attention in the Big 12 this past weekend? Texas is back. I think we have to say now that they're back. Nobody goes into Alabama and wins like that. And trailing in the fourth quarter and came back on Nick Saban. Impressive win. You know who else was impressive? Kansas. Kansas, I thought, played very well. I know the score got a little closer there at the end, but they dominated that entire game. Uh, Cincinnati, are they a little bit better than we thought maybe coming into the year? They went beat Pittsburgh. That's a decent win for them on their resume. Uh, Baylor, not as bad as we thought they were after week one. They came back and hung in there with Utah, had that game and a chance to win it. So the one thing I am taking away from it is that Texas Tech team. That, that team who is supposed to be, according to Trace Troco, a top 10 team, the hardest place to play in college football, just lost another one here at home. They're 0-2. That makes me very happy. I, I love talking trash about my friends over in Lubbock all offseason. I'm enjoying the start to the season so far for them. Do you think he you think he kind of put a jinx on them? Did he curse them by like picking them as the sleeper, a team unranked that could finish in the top 10 that UCF has no chance of winning that? Maybe he jinxed them. It wasn't just him, it was other people. I know everybody gets really high on how you finish a season. Last year they finished the season well. They I think they won three or four games in a row at the end, played well in a bowl game against who old miss but that doesn't mean anything year to year especially in today's day of college football with transfer portal and all that stuff we had teams are completely different from year to year now everybody thought joey mcguire was going to be the next nick saban oh and two to start the year bad start for trace bad bad for trace texas i agree that's a big win for them if i'm brett your mark and the big 12 my concern mike is is if texas and oklahoma end up being the two best teams in the big 12 and play for the title game two teams that are on their way to the SEC. I, I don't think that's good for the Big 12, Mike. I think you need some of the teams that are staying, whether it be Kansas State, UCF, whoever, to break the party and win the conference. Do you agree with me on that? Because that's the concern from a from an image standpoint for the Big 12. I don't think you want Texas or Oklahoma leaving the conference with the trophy. Yeah, I think the fix will be in at some point. We've seen that Ooh. before. I think a, we have? Can, can you and we, may, we may benefit from that. Or whoever plays Texas in that championship game, because I think Texas probably will be good enough to get to the game. But then one game, anything can happen. Referees, we've seen be the difference in games before. I'm not saying your mark is going to be directly uh, responsible for it, but I'm not saying he's not going to be directly responsible for it. It could happen. The guy did say he was going to be in Austin for the Texas Tech game, and he said he wanted to see them pull that one off. So you never know. He's going Vince McMahon. Got it. There you go. Mike prediction there. <laughs> All right, let's go around the kingdom now. Other sports here on UCF. What are the biggest takeaways right now? We've got men's soccer. We've got the volleyball team and women's soccer action. Mike, we got a top 10 team in the campus right now. That's UCF men's soccer. They're 4-0-1. I got to call their match against Brown on Saturday night. They're going to open Sunbelt play, Mike. Follow me. They're playing in the Sunbelt because the Big 12 does not endorse men's soccer. So they're in this Super League in the Sunbelt. They're going to open against West Virginia, which Coach Scott Calabrese has described as the Big 12 title game for men's soccer, uh, since they're the two members in the Sun Belt. West Virginia, this could be a top 15 matchup, could be top 10 on Friday night. Think about this, Mike. We could have the first UCF conference championship in the Big 12 era, may not even come from the Big 12. 
It could be men's soccer coming from the Sun Belt, but it's a big match against West Virginia on Friday night. That's the big takeaway from men's soccer. Then women's soccer, obviously, they just beat South Florida. I know you like that regardless of the sport. Big win for them to carry that momentum into the Big 12 starting this week. And then volleyball will go out to Purdue and Illinois. They're very young. We're going to learn a lot about them this weekend up in West Lafayette, especially when they play the Boilermakers. But uh, they're all playing well. They all won. They were all kind of like football this weekend. It wasn't pretty, but they found ways to win. But, you know, a fun, fun uh, fall here so far. Volleyball beats up on Florida State, right? Yeah. And then soccer, women's soccer, state champs print the T-shirts already. They beat <laughs> FAU. They beat North Florida. They beat Miami in a friendly earlier before at the beginning of the year. The one loss to Florida State, also an exhibition game. I don't count that one. But off to a decent start here. But the men's team is the team right now to watch. If it wasn't for that disappointing blowing the 2 nothing lead yeah. to FIU last week, I mean, we really have something on our hands. But they're, they're playing well right now. Mike, to your point, FIU was right left. They were up 2 nothing. They gave up two goals in the last seven minutes. I think if they win that game, they're receiving votes to be the number one ranked team in the country oh. had they won that game. And you know this. We've never had a UCF team in the Division One era be ranked number one in anything. That would have been interesting. There you uh, go. Yeah, that would be interesting. We've never even been number two like our friends to the West. Yeah, Have they we? were there for a good five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's That's bring good. Adam in, I think, to uh, see what we screwed up so far in this show, which I'm sure is my first time. I'm sure yep. there's plenty of things. Well, before we get to that, gentlemen, breaking news. We record this on Monday nights. While you guys were talking, it appears Aaron Rodgers may have broken his ankle and is going to be out for the year. He's out of the game. Zach Wilson is in. It could be ankle Achilles or or ACL. Ryan Clark from ESPN on Twitter is saying it is a, it is an ankle potential. He's out of the game, left on a cart. Aaron Rodgers, Jets season done after one series. Just thought I'd Wow, pass that, that is so line. Jets, though. Isn't that so Jets, Mike? You're a, I mean, that is so Jets. Look, I got a lot of comments from my Jet cousins and uncles last night after watching my Giants lose 40 to nothing. I woke up to text messages. I'm not going to shed any tears for the Jets after hearing this news, but it's 8.38 according to my phone right now. What That's time unbelievable. Start? Like uh, yes, as we recorded, as we recorded it was this the first drive. It was the first <laughs> drive. Uh, he went down on that one. All right, let's get to errors and corrections. You guys mentioned Timmy McLean, obviously one season as a starter with the Cows. 55% completion percentage, five touchdowns, seven interceptions, four rushing touchdowns. Again, that was a really horrifically bad Cows team, but obviously Timmy still has some uh, some work to do. Uh, you asked about DeCorian Patterson. If pro football focus is correct, he did not play a single snap at Boise State. He played 28 against uh, Kent State in week one. Mike, you uh, you touted a great sack by uh, Malachi Hamilton. I think you mean Malachi Lawrence. We don't have a Malachi Hamilton <laughs> on the roster. Uh, do you know a Malachi Hamilton? No. I, I knew I was missing it up. I knew when I came out of my mouth it wasn't right. But I didn't, I didn't want to stumble on it, but thanks for bringing yeah, no, it back up. I'm glad you're here to give me some work. All right. And the field goal thing. I've been doing some research on this. I do believe, Mike, you are correct. I think that Franco Gorilla 1990 is the last walk-off. I found 2005, John Brown hit a field goal with three seconds left to beat uh, Louisiana, but there were still three seconds left on the clock. So I think, uh, I think 1990 is your answer. But fun fact, guys. I did also learn that the longest field goal in UCF history was kicked in 1985 as a walk-off when Eddie O'Brien beat Bethune-Cookman. That yardage, 55, which means Colton Boomer has now tied for the longest kick in UCF history. Nice. Wow, that's pretty good. 33 years apart, Mike, field goal walk-offs. There you go. 
Got to confirm from him. I think Adam's happy you're on the show because he gets more work out of this. We get to use it more. <laughs> uh, before we wrap up, uh, one more thing. Big historic week on UCF this week. UCF women's soccer, I mentioned earlier, will open Big 12 play at home Thursday night against West Virginia. That will be the first official UCF sporting event conference Big 12 game. Women's soccer will do that Thursday night against West Virginia. Then men's soccer hosting West Virginia. On Friday night, first conference ever Sunbelt game, Mike. I know you might want to tune in. That's a little historic. You could say that. That's the first UCF. 20 years from now, when you and Adam do Sons of UCF Live, what was the first UCF sporting event in the Big 12 conference game? Women's soccer is going to be the trivia answer. <laughs> Just like uh, Mark Daniel says, may the trivia answer 20 years from now be women's soccer, West Virginia, hopefully a victory. Let's say a 2-1 win. Very good. You're reading back from the Mark Daniels call of the Javier Borlegi kick. Very good. That's what he said right before Borlegi said the kick. Mike, this was a pleasure. Maybe we should just root for Texas Tech to lose out and then Trace doesn't come back. Yeah, hey, this is an audition tape for me. If you like what you see, maybe bring me back. And we don't need Trace. I mean, he's good for some things. He's walking and talking all over the country, but it's not necessary here every week. Spice it up a little bit every once in a while. Hopefully you didn't get tackled by the blue turf. You can uh, listen to Mike with Adam on the Sons of UCF Live podcast. Make sure you check that out on the podcast feeds as well as the YouTube channel. Sons Live coming out this later this week with Adam. Perhaps Trace will be back then if he's recovered from the Red Raider loss. And, of course, he'll join us maybe back next week on Around the Kingdom. For Adam, for Mike, I'm Eric Lopez. Char good night and charge on. Podcast Network.